One of my favorite places on Earth happens to be Star Island. Who here has been to Star Island? Quite a few hands. Well, Star Island is one of the Isles of Shoals located off the coast of New Hampshire. It is a small, rocky place, and it's out in the middle of the ocean. The Oceanic Hotel, which was built there in the 1800s, was a center for artists and intellectuals and writers, but now it is a corporation that hosts conferences and personal retreats, both for Unitarian Universalists, United Church of Christ, and Friends. I am a big advocate, so feel free to ask me questions or anyone who you saw with their hand raised. We love to talk Star Island. A small ferry boat brings you into Gosport Harbor. The young adults who work there all summer happen to be known as pelicans, or pels for short. Delicious meals are served family style, and favorite traditions include a polar bear plunge into the icy water at dawn. Not that I've done it. Bonfires on the rocks and sitting on the wide front porch in a rocking chair, just taking in that ever-changing sky and enjoying conversations with folks who pass you by. That I do quite often. This was our seven-year-old daughter, Liza's third time to Star Island. I, myself, as a lifelong UU, have been there many times. First, as a teenager with my home church, we took a retreat there. My home church is First Parish in Waltham. I've gone back many times, usually as part of the Liberal Religious Education Conference in July. And this summer, I was delighted to lead a week-long workshop with my husband, Peter, who led our children's message this morning. And Dawn Van Patten returned there with her two daughters as part of LRE Week. The theme of the conference was Sustainability and Faith, a New Way of Living. Peter and I called our workshop Religious Education Gone Wild. Each morning we had a circle of about 15 people of diverse backgrounds. Most of them were Unitarian Universalists, but not all of them. Some of them had been drawn to the conference because the keynote speaker was Tim DeChristopher, the climate activist that was mentioned with our social action candle who's coming to speak here on Friday. The reason we called our workshop Religious Education Gone Wild was our goal was to energize people in the face of climate change. Our time together was devoted to reconnecting with the earth as a source of wisdom and renewal. We offered resources in climate education that could be incorporated in family life, religious education, community gatherings, and many of these ideas will be incorporated in our own religious education program this spring, which we are calling Explorations with Thoreau. Now, as many of you know, I live in the city. I happen to live in Cambridge, right across from Harvard Law School, and there are many things that I love about living in the city. But what I miss is being able to see stars at night. All I can catch a glimpse of at night is the moon and sometimes a few bright stars in the sky. So as you can imagine, when I am able to see the night sky without light pollution, my spirits lift. 
On Star Island, Liza and I usually went to bed very early, but we decided to stay up late one night. It was actually our last night of the week on Star Island. And on the highest point is the Gosport Chapel. It's built entirely of stone. And everyone gathers on the front porch as darkness falls, and the pelicans actually light these glass lanterns with single white flickering candles inside. And everyone processes in silence up the rocky hill. As you can imagine, Liza was pretty excited to be able to be entrusted with one of these lanterns this summer. Music greeted us as we entered the chapel. Like many generations before us, we hung our lantern on a bracket on the wall. The lanterns are the only source of light for worship at night in the chapel. It was a moving service with music, stories. My colleague Lily Rappaport shared how she was going through many transitions in her life. She had a new job. She had a new home. And her father had recently passed away. As we descended, I'll back up. As the service came to a close, we took our lanterns down from those hooks and we went back out into the night. Above us was the most amazing dome of sky filled not only with stars, but the Milky Way was visible. And in that darkness, I became overcome with grief, missing my own father, who had died two months before Liza was born. We held hands and made our way back to the lit porch. And I had a choice then whether to wipe, quickly wipe away my tears so she wouldn't know, or to share with her my grief. <coughs> I took a deep breath and said, Liza, I'm feeling sad right now. Like Lily in her sermon, I miss my father. Liza looked up at me, are you crying? I nodded, and tears were running down my face. Mommy, I love you, and she gave me a big hug. And then we just looked up at those stars, holding hands. Out of the silence, Liza said, Mommy, someday I'll miss you, too. I told her we'll always be together, part of this amazing universe. Even though I miss holding my father's hand, our love is everlasting. Where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? These are existential questions that people have asked throughout time. Nowadays, it's a privilege to be able to gaze up at the stars. The pace of daily life pulls us in many different directions. It can be a challenge to juggle our commitments. Sometimes digital technology fractures our communication instead of making it simpler. And on top of the daily pressures, there's the news of violence both close to home and around the globe. 
that can make us feel angry, overwhelmed, or numb. How will we be able to address the climate crisis when our two candidates for president can't even follow the rules of the debate? In order for us to address the challenges of our time, it is essential, I believe, for us to connect with the scientific facts and spiritual truth that we are interdependent. Our universe story or the great story transcends the barriers of race, culture, language, and political party. Where did we come from? Science tells us that 14 billion years ago, there was a mad, massive explosion called the Big Bang, or if you prefer, the Great Radiance. And since that explosion, our universe continues to expand. However, given the findings of modern science, we know if we compress all of Earth's history into 24 hours, beginning at midnight, organic life would only begin at 5 p.m. Mammals emerge at 11.30 p.m. And only seconds from midnight, our species, humankind, came into being. And even in that relatively short period of time, as compared with the history of this planet, we have grown considerably in our understanding of the origins of life and the cosmos. We are stardust. The stars are literally our ancestors. One of my teachers during seminary was Joanna Macy, an American Buddhist scholar and activist. I'm going to wave a book around. This book she's written is called Active Hope. She's written it with Chris Johnstone, but I particularly like the subtitle, How to Face the Mess We're In Without Going Crazy. As Joanna Macy writes, with that wisdom, you know that it's not a battle between good and evil, good guys and bad guys. That line between good and evil runs right in the center of every human heart. With insight into our profound interrelatedness, you know that actions taken with pure intent have repercussions throughout the web of life beyond what you can measure or discern. This teaching resonates with our seventh principle of Unitarian Universalism, the findings of science, and many Earth-based traditions. But the speed, the pressures, and distractions of modern society can serve to separate us from that awareness. But the irony is, when I am feeling most separated, most discouraged about our world, or stressed about my own life, I act as if I'm an isolated person. For example, once again last week, I found myself stuck in rush hour traffic. I say found myself because driving home between 4.30 and 6.30 p.m. from Concord to my home in Cambridge is always a mistake, and it's like a nightmare that I am startled awake into. There I was sitting in my car behind a seemingly endless line of traffic, operated by people like me rushing so fast we were going nowhere. With exhaust from our vehicles polluting the air, it dawned on me, once again, why I committed myself to taking the train 
or shifting my office hours. However, when I am tired, I tend to forget. I forget my reusable bags when I go shopping. I stuff unhealthy food into my mouth when I most need to be nourished by good food. I distract myself with bad television or silly internet videos when I don't want to face my fear or anger or exhaustion. When I feel most insecure, I go shopping for something shiny and new as if I could buy happiness. Sometimes when I catch myself not acting in the interest of the greater good, I become discouraged. Sometimes when I hear about the devastation around our globe, my despair is so great that I try to ignore it. Now, none of these actions are bad in and of themselves. But they spin me away from a greater truth. We are all connected. We depend upon one another more than we know. For me, meditation and worship brings me back to this truth. And other paths I recommend are writing, reading, sharing with others, yoga, creativity, time in nature. And this is not about self-care. It is essential for the well-being of our larger world. So how can we bring about a more life-sustaining society? That's up to us. If we would devote ourselves to the cultivation of love and compassion, the only way to keep from going crazy is to take action. And sometimes those actions are just interrupting our own habits and making changes in the ways we live. Sometimes those actions help alleviate the suffering of others. Sometimes those actions take us to the streets, the halls of justice, or our religious communities to work together for change. Brian Swim sums up our universe story. Over the course of 14 billion years, hydrogen gas transformed itself into mountains, butterflies, the music of Bach, and you and me. And these energies may very well renew the earth. Blessed be.